I made a statement this morning that in my 17 years here, I never have made. I said, and I, I believe it, and I would say it to you, that uh, this is the most important message that, uh, that I have ever given. Now, I promised I would never say that because the first pastor I served with said it every Sunday. <laughs> and after a couple of weeks, nobody believed him anymore. But so I have guarded that statement uh, until today because I think that this is the most important message that I have ever given. We're in the midst of a series. And uh, it, 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 uh, as we wrestled with this series, it uh, thought about checkers. And uh, almost all of us have played checkers as a child or seen a checker board. And, and the object of checkers is to get from one side of the board without getting jumped, without getting put out of the game. And then when you're on the other side, when you make the other side, you get crowned. You, you get uh, another piece on or you just have the piece flipped over. And, and kind of that sounds like life. If you can make it through life at the end, you get crowned in heaven and all of those things. But, but what we want you to know is what we have discovered that the crown has always been there. The crown has always been there. Most of us don't live like we know that. We live this side of the checker piece. We live to just survive making it through the game of life. Well, we're stopping, and from uh, two weeks ago until Christmas, we're, we're looking at the other side of who as followers of Jesus Christ, who we actually are now. Because you know, once you get that crown in the game, you have freedom to do all kind of things that you didn't have before then. What if you discovered who you are now and the freedom you have to live life in a different way? And it comes from um, uh, Jesus asking the disciples partways through his ministry, who do people say that I am? And the disciples kind of fumbled around with, so some say you're this, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, come back, some say this. And then he stops them and he says, no, who do you say? Looking them in the eye, no, who do you say I am? And, and uh, the, the disciples didn't know how to respond to that. And Peter probably got the, for the first time in his life, got the right answer. He said, oh, 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 you are the Christ. You're, you're the Messiah. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus was so surprised. He said, Pete, you couldn't have gotten there without my dad telling you who I am. And so, but you're, you're right. And, and I think that they should have then followed up that time with Jesus by turning to Jesus and saying, well, if that's who you are, who do you say I am? And we're going to see through Jesus' words and through scriptures exactly who he says we are. Not only in the, this, this uh, series, but more important today, we're going to see the heart of who he says we are. 
Join me in a, in a prayer for a moment. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit would do what the Holy Spirit does best. Take words that are written on a page and write them on our hearts. Open our eyes so we could see clearly. If there would be anything that would hinder that happening, I pray that you would remove it. For we've come to sit at the feet of Jesus, to be taught by Jesus, and to leave here more like Jesus. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Mike and I know that if you know who you are, not only will that drastically change how you live your life, but you will be able to help others to see who they are. That's why this is so important. Now, this series started two weeks ago. Mike did a great job with, with helping us with a concept that will either leave you with lots of questions or it will roll your socks up and down. And, and that thought was, well, let's do this. If you close your eyes, if you humor me for a minute, all you see is, is dark, and, and you think of before anything was created, you're looking at the, through the eyes of God, through, before anything was created, the Bible tells us that God knew you. Okay, you can open your eyes. That, my friends, is an amazing thought. Before creation, you were known by God. God had you in mind before he created the world. And so if you grasp that, 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 that should bring some meaning, purpose, identity to your heart and to your mind long before everything was created. Then uh, last week, uh, I, Lori and I were, uh, were with you in worship. Now, you didn't see us here uh, because we were hiding in an Uber and we were somewhere between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. We were on the. We listened to the to the songs. We we um, listened to the message. Mike did a great job saying, "Okay, when God created us, we were created in His image. Unlike anything else of creation, we we're created in His image, and He did it out of dirt, but good dirt." The Bible says, you're dirt, but you're really good dirt. And he formed you and me. He forms humankind out of dirt and in his image. And he said it was very good. The problem is, from the second page, the end of the second page, through the whole Bible, the problem is dirt tries to be God. Every, every page... Dirt says, I want to be God. And it started with the evil one in the garden. So God created humankind in his image. And it started in the garden. And this is, um, is, is how it began. And uh, the evil one says to humankind, you know what? You can be as great as God. You can be as great as God. And they believed the lie. They believed the lie. And um, they disobeyed God. 
And we'll just, we'll just call this. And the word in the Bible for that is called sin. So we're just, we're just put that there. Now, sin in Latin is incavaris se. And what that means is um, that it is turned in on self. That's Latin for sin, when you're turned in on self. Um, the Greek would be hamarchia, and that means to miss the mark. The mark is here. To miss the mark and have it on ourselves is sin. And, and probably the best way, since very few of us, including me, are Latin scholars or Greek scholars, the best way to, to understand sin is in that three-letter word, and all you need to do is make that I really big. Sin is when it's all about I, all about me. If you think of anything that is harmful and destructive, there is always an I in the middle of that. Always, always, always. And so sin enters the world. We turn and focus on ourselves. And basically, Adam and Eve turn their back on God. And because God is holy, God cannot look at sin. And so God says, okay, then I am going to turn my back as well. Sin. The wages of sin is... Uh, is death. Now, sin is an interesting thing because just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. For instance, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Harvard University. Harvard, any Harvard folks here? Harvard, okay, then we can talk about it. Harvard University. Uh, founded in 1630 by the Puritans, with the idea to train ministers, they, they never wanted the church to lose focus. So there was a university designed to focus and train ministers. Their motto was truth for Christ and the church. 1630. The first 46 uh, years were uh, a minister... Uh, let it, in fact, it was named after John Harvard, who was a, uh, uh, an area minister. Just at the beginning of this season, as uh, students go back to Harvard, the chaplains at Harvard hired a head chaplain who is an atheist, does not believe in God. He wrote a book when interviewed. You can look it on the internet. It's, 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 he says, we do not look to a God for answers. I think that's, instead, we are each other's answers. That's the chaplain at Harvard. Now, what's difficult to imagine is that there are a number of chaplains and they all elected this one to be the head chaplain. We are each other's answer. I am 
the answer. The Bible says, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Now, before this in the Bible, there wasn't death. Death was not part of creation, but it also is a spiritual death. This is a picture of spiritual death where we and God are not in a relationship. And so the wages of sin, the wages of saying it's about us, is death. It is sourced in evil and it causes evil. It's destructive. It, 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 uh, if you don't believe in sin, and I talked to somebody on the phone who said, you know, my kids just don't believe in sin. It's like, well, turn on the TV. Just pick up a newspaper. Read about humankind's inhumanity to humankind. Go to a high school or a middle school. Go, I mean, it is pervasive. It is everywhere. I know that for the last two weeks, many of us have watched the television and heard about Afghanistan and what they're doing to folks who named Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, what they're doing to women, what they're the, for children. What, what is going on there is evil. But here's what Jesus says. Not only doing it is sin, but thinking of doing it is sin. That's how bad it is. Jesus said, you don't even have to carry it out. But to think about I is enough to be out of this relationship. And even Paul, who wrote the New Testament and Mike shared last week, he comes to this point in his life. This is the number one, the person who really would say, other than Jesus, is the founder of Christianity, says, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. Who will save me? In fact, he writes in Romans 7, 24, wretched man am I. Who will save me? I need to be saved from this body of death. I can't control not only what I, my actions, I can't control my thoughts. I need saved. I need delivered. I need redeemed. I need rescued. So how do we deal? Because we all have that same problem. Well, years ago, somebody gave me the solution. And it's soap. It's called Wash Away Your Sins Cleansing Bar. And they not only gave me one, they gave me a pack. And they not only gave me a pack to keep it home, they gave me a pack to travel with. It's tempting, it's got a tempting do-it-again scent. Anyway, <laughs> it, it is for a sinner on the go. And it's for a house full of sinners, so there's more than one. Um, and, and on the back, here's just one of the things you do with it. For vulgarities, insert in mouth, scrub, spit out, flush with water. May be harmful if swallowed. There's a warning under it. Habitual use may strengthen character. So, 
It's easy to use. It's been tested and proven, and it's for all the seven deadly sins. So it covers all the seven. Now, we know that our eye problem, my sin problem, is not on the surface. I just can't wash it away. It, it comes from deeper inside. And I've gone through so many of these, I know it doesn't work. The Bible tells us the only thing that cleanses sin is the shedding of blood. Now, there are lots of churches that won't say that. It's too gory. It's too gross. It doesn't make sense. What makes sense out of that is sin is so awful. It takes a life force to get rid of it. God is so holy, and sin is so terrible. It's so pervasive. And so in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of kind of a foreshadowing. Uh, here's something to try. Get your family, find a, an unblemished lamb, one without spot, because the lamb has to be perfect. And have your family stand around and say there's sin over the lamb. Kind of put it on the lamb. Wouldn't that be a fun dinner? I took $5 out of my dad's wallet with dad standing. I mean, just everybody saying all their thoughts. And then they would take and they would kill the lamb and shed the blood of the lamb so that those sins would be forgiven. But you see, the nation of Israel knew that it was so pervasive, they had to do that once a year for everybody, but they had to do it every week for everybody. They had to do it every day for everybody because we're all infected with this eye disease. We're all infected with this thing called sin. We need rescued. We need saved. And how did it move your hearts in the last two weeks to see those troops go into Afghanistan to bring out people who were in bondage? It was amazing. It was heartbreaking. But they would do anything to get them out. Anything. I love this statement years ago by Dr. Billy Graham. God undertook the most dramatic rescue operation in cosmic history. He determined to save the human race from self-destruction and sent his son Jesus Christ to salvage and redeem them. The work of man's redemption was accomplished at the cross. At the cross. Paul writes in Philippians, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. He gave up his godness by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man, humankind, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why was his death so important? 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said, this is what God's going to do one day. He's going to send this one, the Messiah. Listen, Isaiah 53. 
He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one for whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities is another fancy word for sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, the shedding of his blood, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to their own way. And the Lord has laid on him the sin, the iniquity of us all. And so, in the midst of a world broken, fallen apart, God sends his son Jesus to become like us, to live like us, except with one difference. He never sinned. And so, he lived in this relationship with his father until on the cross he takes the sin of humankind and he takes it on himself. The Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians, for our sake he, God, made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what happens is that when Jesus becomes sin, the father has to turn his back. It's that strange time on the cross where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because Jesus became sin. He took the sin on himself. He who was sinless. And by his shed blood, he is killed. And we are forgiven. And Colossians says, once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And so Jesus takes the sin and pays for it by faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall have life. And when our sin is gone, our chair is turned. And the fathers can look at us and the relationship is paid is whole because the sin has been paid for. That's the Christian faith. He made him, Jesus, to be sin, to take our sin so that we might become the righteousness, have this relationship with our heavenly father. Now, you might think, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I have been wrong and I have been too wrong. And I love the fact that Jesus on the cross escorts a thief into heaven. The first one. How do we know that? Because on the cross, 
The thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now this thief couldn't clean up his act. He was nailed to a cross. But by faith, he is forgiven of his sin. And the first one escorted by the blood of Christ into heaven, the Bible says, is a thief. He stole the grace of God that was freely offered. And he took him up on the offer. That's the Christian faith. Paul writes, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that he died for your sins, you are forgiven and you wear the crown because you are his child. But you see, that means you give up the I. I share with the first service, and some of us don't want to do that. Saving Private Ryan was an intense movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you, you need to, to see it. But it is intense. It, it's a movie where a group of soldiers basically give their lives to save a private who gets to go home. And the head of the, the major who was in charge of, of this platoon to get the guy out is dying at the end of the movie. And Private Ryan is standing there whole. And the, the worst part of the movie is where he tells Private Ryan, earn this. Because at the end of the movie, you go to the end, and he's standing over the, the graves at Normandy of all the soldiers and of the guy who said, earn this. And he turns to his wife, and he's got his kids and grandkids around him, and he says, have I been a good man? And she looks at him like, why are you asking me that? And he said, no, have I been a good man? In other words, he was saying, did I earn this? Am I okay? Did I do enough in my life to make up for what was done? You don't earn the cross. You don't earn God's grace. You merely accept it. It's by faith. And there are so many, and some in here, who are saying, I can't believe that that was done for me. So what about you? Have you trusted the rescue mission that was sent for you 2,000 years ago? Where Jesus Christ gave his life so that you could be totally forgiven for all of your sin and restored into a relationship with your heavenly father? Or is it, I can handle this and you're still carrying that eye disease? Or are you trying to earn it, which is still part of the eye disease, instead of falling into the outstretched, grace-filled arms of your heavenly Father? Romans 6.23, we said it a minute ago, 
but I stopped the sentence early. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I, I love the military. In fact, um, not a lot of folks know this. I was had an appointment, uh, was hedging on an appointment to the Air Force Academy, but in my senior year, Playing football, I have a concussion where I wear glasses, and it kept me out of the military. But I love the military. And those generals in the past couple weeks, I mean, they're kind of leaning with all the ribbons, you know? I mean, they, it's like there's no more coat left to put the ribbons on. Do you know those ribbons are awards, but most of them identify the battles that they've been a part of. It's kind of tells the battles. Do you know for you and I, we wear one ribbon because there's only one eternal battle we've been in. And this is the ribbon that says we won. This is the ribbon that says the battle was won. And I hope you and I wear that ribbon proudly. Because it was fought for us. We don't earn that. It was a gift. But it is the ribbon that we live under. And here's the other thing people don't get. How much forgiveness does the cross cover? The stuff I did before I asked Christ to be my Lord and then I've got to be on my own after that or till my next time I want to be baptized or have a special moment with God. I'd ask you the question, 2,000 years ago when Christ was on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? And the answer is, Yeah, all of them. Thank you very much, because I was really stuck there for a moment. So if all of your sins were in the future 2,000 years ago when Christ died for you, how many sins did he die for? So he died for the ones yesterday, the ones this morning on, in the car on the way to church. The ones you'll have this afternoon and the ones that you will have in your tomorrows because this side of heaven, we will not be perfect. But you are perfectly forgiven, which when you get that, when you understand the love of God and the cross of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of all of your sins, you don't have to live just trying to get to the other side. You can live for who you are. And if there's anyone here who's never bent their knee and acknowledged that they're a sinner, they've blown it. 
And if you have a question whether you've blown it or not, ask the person sitting next to you if you've ever blown it. They'll help you with that. By God's grace, we invite Christ, accept the fact that he is our Savior, and then he gets to be our Lord, and we live this side forever. You think about that. Amen. Amen, amen. And now the benediction comes from the book of Jude, the very last verses. Hear these words. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. That's who you are. Go in peace to love and serve him and tell someone else. Tell someone else. Amen. Amen.